Welcome to the Serpent Soul Podcast, where we explore our identity before God and our relationship with God. I'm your host, Kenneth Grady, and I pray that we will be fed by the Word of God, led by the Spirit of God, and living with passion for the will of God. And in so doing, may we raise each other up as we lay ourselves down before the Lord. This is the Servant Soul Podcast. One of the main reasons for beginning this podcast was to get Christians speaking. Uh, that leads me to the question of why are Christians silent? I think many of us feel unqualified to speak the Word of God. And a couple of the verses that, that come up often in conversation directly or indirectly are a couple I'm going to read here in just a minute. But, um, you know, whenever I speak to the Christians, it, it's amazing how many of them think that, you know, I can't possibly do that uh, for various reasons. And, and I think a lot of those reasons come from a misunderstanding of a few of the next verses. So in 1 Timothy 3, 1 through 7, it says, This is a true saying. If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. A bishop then must be blameless, the husband of one wife, vigilant, sober, of good behavior, given to hospitality, apt to teach, not given to wine, no striker, not greedy of filthy lucre, but patient, not a brawler, not covetous, one that ruleth well his own house, having his children in subjection with all gravity. For if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Not a novice, lest being lifted up with pride, he fall into the condemnation of the devil. Moreover, he must have a good report of them which are without, lest he fall into reproach and the snare of the devil. So, yep, that pretty much rules most of us out, right? <laughs> we read that and like, yeah, yeah I'm, I'm not ready. And I definitely don't want to be a hypocrite, so no. <laughs> In James 3, verses 1 through 2 says, My brethren, be not many masters, knowing that we shall receive the greater condemnation. For in many things we offend all. If any man offend not in word, the same as a perfect man, and also able also to bridle the whole body. You know, condemnation doesn't sound good, right? So <laughs> we think, well, we better play it safe. If, if I were to teach somebody and then have a slip, which we are all going to do, um, and it says, you know, that we might, uh, says that we will receive the greater condemnation. So who am I to teach somebody, right? Let's play it safe and just not speak the gospel. <laughs> so we've got it twisted. Satan has gradually bent the teachings of the church back to the teachings of the Pharisees. We are so far below the standard laid out in, in those passages um, that we feel like our best option is to honor God with our silence. Somehow now, silence is the new reverence, and reverence is easier than obedience, so you know, I'm just going to go with that. And, and we don't want to offend God by trying to be more as a Christian, rather than, than, than growing and drawing closer and speaking and sharing and teaching. We just sin, repent, repeat, sin, repent, repeat. And, and we think that that's as, as deep as we can go, that we're just lucky to be saved so we wouldn't dare share our faith with somebody else because, you know, we're not really living it all that well, right? And we certainly wouldn't be so prideful you know, as to teach. Does that sound like what Jesus taught us to be? I mean, really? I mean, is, is that what he wants for us? Why are we buying into that mindset? And, and, you know, I think sometimes we even like being unqualified because it gives us the sense of being excused from our responsibility. 
ultimately, Satan has religion whipped. I mean, he does. Romans 3.10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous. No, not one. There is none righteous. And <laughs> we're waiting to be righteous to speak the word. But there is none righteous. So, 2 Timothy 4.2 says, Preach the word. Be instant in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with all long suffering and doctrine. And we're just waiting. Waiting on permission from God to do what he's already told us to do. Waiting until we have our lives in order before we share the gospel. But if we aren't sharing the gospel, our lives aren't in order. So we're waiting to... <laughs> and here's my favorite, all right? Catch this one. We get this all the time, right? Waiting to be called. Like, what? Why are we waiting for a call? God already wrote us a book. It's called the Bible. It's full of calls. Pick one. The difference between having a call as a Christian and not having one is this. Whether you read the word looking for work or just read it looking for a handout. I know that's harsh, but like I said, the Bible is full of cause. <laughs> They're there. Find them. Let's do them. Where we get off track is when we look at these opening passages, it's talking about bishops, deacons, pastors. And it's true. Pastors are called to lead the church through life, to herd the flock per se. But all Christians are called to lead the lost to the cross. Church leaders do have greater responsibility. They have higher requirements because teaching somebody with somebody who has knowledge and experience means having greater knowledge and experience in whatever area you're teaching. Teaching the lost is not the same thing. All you need to know is over here, <laughs> this way, it's Jesus. I mean, there are no exceptions. Luke 9.26 says, For whosoever shall be ashamed of me and of my words, of him shall the Son of Man be ashamed, when he shall come in his own glory and in his Father's and of the holy angels. Every branch in me that beareth not fruit, he taketh away. And every branch that beareth fruit, he purgeth it, that it may bring forth more fruit. Every, every, every branch in me that beareth not fruit. So, <laughs> We think, who am I to share the gospel with somebody else? The better question is, who am I not to? And we're going to take a minute and look at <laughs> Jesus' requirements for spreading the gospel. I mean, this is, is so obvious, I, it's almost funny. Now, I know you think I'm going too far. I hear you. Some of you guys out there say, that's, 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 you got to be more careful than that. But Mark 5. Okay, let's just go to Mark 5. And we're going to read the word for a couple minutes. I know it's a lengthy passage. We'll get to it. Mark 5, verse 1 says, And they came over unto the other side of the sea, into the country of the Gadarenes. And when he was come out of the ship, immediately there met him out of the tombs a man with an unclean spirit, who had his dwelling among the tombs, and no man could bind him, no, not with chains, because that he had been often bound with fetters and chains, and the chains had been plucked asunder by him, and the fetters broken in pieces, neither could any man tame him. And always, night and day, he was in the mountains and in the tombs, crying and cutting himself with stones. But when he saw Jesus afar off, he ran and worshipped him. And he cried with a loud voice and said, What have I to do with thee, Jesus, thou Son of the Most High God? I adjure thee by God that thou torment me not. For he said unto him, Come out of the man, thou unclean spirit. And he asked him, What is thy name? And he answered, saying, My name is Legion, for we are many. 
And he besought him much that he would not send them away out of the country. Now there was there nigh into the mountains a great herd of swine feeding, and all the devils besought him, saying, Send us into the swine, that we may enter into them. And forthwith Jesus gave them leave, and they and the unclean spirits went out and entered into the swine, and the herd ran violently down a steep place into the sea. There were about two thousand, and they were choked in the sea. And they that fed the swine fled and told it in the city and in the country. And they went out to see what it was that was done. And they come to Jesus and see him that was possessed with the devil and had the legion sitting and clothed in his right mind. And they were afraid. And they that saw it told them how it befell to him that was possessed with the devils and also concerning the swine. And they began to pray him to depart out of their coasts. And when he was come into the ship, he that had been possessed with the devil prayed him that he might be with him. Howbeit Jesus suffered him not, but saith unto him, Go home to thy friends, and tell them how great things the Lord hath done for thee, and hath had compassion on thee. And he departed, and began to publish in Decapolis how great things Jesus had done for him. And all men did marvel. I mean, did you see it? It's awesome. Jesus told this man to go, right? Jesus wasn't worried about the mistakes this man was going to make in his ministry. Jesus wasn't concerned about the man's doctrinal perfection. He didn't say, go home and take a bath and get presentable. He wasn't concerned about the man fixing his reputation before claiming his Savior. He said, go home to thy friends and tell. Tell them how great. Tell them how Jesus had compassion on me. The man already had everything he needed. Jesus just said, go and tell. And that's the difference between Jesus' standard and men's standard. When we look at Luke 9, 49, it says, And John answered and said, Master, we saw one casting out devils in thy name, and we forbade him, because he followeth not with us. And here's the problem. <laughs> the disciples had their way of following Jesus, but they confused it with the way. See, this man, he wasn't walking with Jesus the same way they were. He didn't have the same credentials that they had. He wasn't part of their organization. But look what Jesus said in verse 50. And Jesus said unto him, Forbid him not, for he that is not against us is for us. <laughs> it's that simple. Jesus said, It's all good. He's working. Leave him alone. Jesus was just pleased that somebody, anybody, was doing the work. Hear this. Jesus, in his perfect holiness, was less picky than his sinful followers. How many qualifying questions did Jesus ask about the man who was doing God's work? I mean, how many? The harvest is ready. Matthew 9.37 says, Then saith he unto his disciples, The harvest truly is plenteous, but the laborers are few. We're supposed to be gathering the harvest. The only thing most Christians are cutting down is the harvesters. Well, I'm not one of those Bible thumpers, and I'm not one of those weirdos on the corner, and I don't get carried away like some people. Hey, he's a hypocrite, and he didn't get the words right. I mean, grow up. Apparently, you have to be perfect now to speak the truth of the gospel. I mean, haven't you seen some breaking news? This, this is fantastic. I, I, it gets me fired up. <laughs> you hear the news. Well, well, this report just in. Another U.S. church has just found out that their pastor is indeed a sinner. 
Amidst the scandal, there is still a beacon of hope, for the pastor has been fired, and the church has begun the purifying process. The congregation is, however, optimistic, as they are certain that God has led them to a new pastor who will make no mistakes. All members are excited to see what God has in store. <laughs> I mean, come on. I am so sick of Christians having to have a resume for the church to make room for them. The church thinks it's better than Jesus. I've literally had to interview in churches to share my testimony. I've had to audition to sing for my God. Jesus' man <laughs> was casting out demons. So how many papers do I got to fill out to do that? Jesus said, he that is not against us is for us. But religion says, he who is for us better be a member. They better use the translation we use. They better dress the way we dress. Better have that seminary degree. That seminary better be from the right denomination. They better understand that they can come a sinner. But you better not mess up once you're here. Or you better not be preaching. Jesus said, forbid him not. The harvest is rotting in the fields. Speak the word. The workers are few. And we're complaining about the few that we do have. Speak the word. I mean, what's our excuse? Matthew 10, 32-33 says, Whosoever, therefore, shall confess me before men, him will I confess also before my Father which is in heaven. But whosoever shall deny me before men, him will I also deny before my Father which is in heaven. So here's the deal. If you think that you need to go to seminary to share your faith, there's nothing wrong with seminary, okay? But if you think you need to go to seminary to share your faith, why haven't you gone yet? If you think that only pastors have to share their faith, then why aren't you a pastor yet? If you think that you have to spend an hour a day in prayer and Bible study, that's a good thing. But if you think you have to spend an hour a day in prayer and Bible study to share your faith, get it done. There are no exceptions. Shyness is not an exception. Being busy is not an exception. Laziness is not an exception. Age is not an exception. Your sin isn't even an exception. There is no exception. If you are a Christian, speak the word. Romans 10, 13, and 14 says, For whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. How then shall they call on him in whom they have not believed? And how shall they believe in him of whom they have not heard? And how shall they hear without a preacher? Amen. Thanks for listening, and until next time, may we grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. To Him be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen.